You know what college does for you? Makes you really smart, man. All you kids want to talk in the back of the class. Not me. I listened. Okay? I was a whole monitor. This was meant to be. You know how many classes I took? Extra classes? Extra classes? No, I've never had sex. But you know what? My degree keeps me satisfied. When a lady walks with me and says, Hey, you know what's sexy? I say, No, I don't know what it is. But I bet I can add up all the change in your purse very fast. Microphone check, one, two, one, two. What is going on, everyone? My name is Trajan. I'd like to say welcome back. Yes, back to the second episode of the Brick Boy Podcast. Um, to those of you tuning in for the first time and for those of you who are coming back from last episode, I'd like to say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Today is Friday, February 22nd, 22nd day of Black History Month. Uh, shout out to all the black listeners right now. I know it's a weird shout out to say, but I figure it's an important thing to mention on this historic month while we still have six days to go. Let's make the most out of it. <laughs> so I apologize in advance if my voice sounds a little bit off. I'm feeling just a tad bit under the weather. Didn't sleep too well last night. Not going to let that stop me because we have a lot to talk about today. And as you may recall, last episode, Last episode was a little bit more lax, a little more freeform, didn't have a ton of direction. It was still learning learning the works of this entire platform. And I still am. Let me preface this by saying I'm still trying to figure it all out. Nothing is set in stone. Uh, I'm by no means a pro. I'm far from it. <laughs> very, very far. That's way in the distance. But maybe one day we'll get there. But I brought that up to say that today's episode is going to take a little bit of a different direction, only because... Going into today's episode, um, as you may remember at the tail end of last episode, for those of you who listened, I was on the fence as to what I wanted to tackle next. Do I want to go into a deep dive of a certain topic or do I want to go into music analysis, which is where I spend a lot of my time listening, uh, trying to break down lyricism behind songs, trying to understand the bigger picture behind or message behind uh, album, song, uh, things like that. But um, I couldn't quite decide going into today's episode while I was writing what I wanted to do. There was a lot I wanted to talk about, a lot that I felt was relevant or important to say, but I couldn't narrow it down until I hit a little bit of a creative streak last night. And sitting in my dorm room, I was just thinking, wow, look around me. I am in college, but there is a lot about the higher education system or the education system as a whole that we don't always discuss or that I didn't know going into college. And there's a lot of issues, aspects or elements to this system that many people aren't. I apologize for that email notification. There's a lot of elements, aspects um, or issues associated with this industry that a lot of people aren't made aware of before they apply to school or before they even are admitted or while they're in school. A lot of times there is a large percentage of students who aren't made aware of these issues that certain populations face. And that's kind of the direction that I wanted to take in going into today's episode. And I figured there's no better soundtrack to talk about when discussing issues of higher education in college than the 2004 debut album by Mr. Kanye West, The College Dropout. Now, I know a lot of you may not necessarily want to hear that name right now. I know Colin, Kanye is kind of 
um, marginalized himself from a lot of people due to certain controversies around his name. But regardless of how you feel about Kanye, I would ask that you maintain an open mind as we enter into this conversation. I'm going to try to incorporate elements that I feel are relevant from the College Dropout album into today's episode as we discuss certain topics and subjects and relate those experiences to my own personal experience in the higher education system. <clears throat> so for context, I am currently in my sophomore year of university, about to enter my junior year. Um, I'm, uh, I've transferred between my freshman and sophomore year from um, a certain four-year institution in-state to another four-year institution. Um, both are quite large in their student populations, around 30,000 each. Um, uh, both are <laughs> notable for a certain... Um, they, they specialize in two different areas and they are in two different environments. Um, I say all this to preface that, or to describe the fact that I am a student and I understand a lot of the struggles that students go through, but I also understand that there are a lot of struggles that I am unaware of. Um, so I feel that today's episode would be an appropriate place to talk about some of those issues, struggles, um, and just topics associated with higher education that we don't always get the chance to vocalize or that people don't always feel that others understand. And I going to say now that there's so much we could say about this issue but there's only a very limited amount of time and i'm by no means an expert in any of these things but i'm going to try to tackle some of the issues that i deem most important to myself and then if you rock with that if you support that if you're okay with that then we can keep the ball rolling so without further ado let's jump into the conversation of today College Dropout, as previously mentioned, is the debut album of then-hip-hop producer Kanye West, marking his transition from producer to full-on rapper, released February 10th, 2004. It was released as a part of the College Dropout Late Registration and Graduation Trilogy, the sequence of albums that helped skyrocket Kanye West to full-on stardom in the realm of hip-hop and R&B. The album itself tackles a variety of issues ranging from self-consciousness, racism, education, uh, misogyny, materialism, religion, and various other critical elements, um, and was a massive success during its time, charting number two on the U.S. Billboard 200s and selling nearly 500,000 copies in its first week of sales. That being said, this album was the shit, and it still is the shit, regardless of how you feel about Kanye West. Many people hold this album to a very high standard, and it holds a very special place in the hearts of many, especially African Americans. Um, the album released such singles such as uh, Through the Wire, Jesus Walks, All Falls Down, and many others that we are going to have the opportunity to talk about today. Um, the widespread success of the college dropout um, was due largely in part to the production on the album, which is kind of deviated into its own style, uh, commonly referred to now as Chipmunk uh, Soul. Chipmunk Soul describes uh, the sound of sped up soulful samples that Kanye West borrows from a lot throughout the album. As you can see, he samples numerous, numerous uh, soul artists, including but not limited to Luther Vandross, Aretha Franklin, and many others. Uh, fun fact regarding the soulful samples on this album. Kanye West pulled many of these samples from a single vinyl collection that he had in his room while producing for this album. So I figured that might be a little bit of fun information for those of you interested in that kind of information. Many of this is available online, but how does this relate to the conversation that we're about to have today? 
Well, I'm glad you asked. It's my opinion that the college dropout's critical success is due largely in part to its subject matter and relevance to the college-age demographic that Kanye West marketed and tapped into. Kanye West did in fact attend university, initially attending Chicago American Academy of Art, then transferring to Chicago State University, later dropping out for reasons of wanting to pursue his career in music and that education was interfering with that process. Each of the 21 tracks off of this album describes an experience that relates to so many different demographics, whether on the basis of race, financial status, or religion. There's a certain layeredness to the lyricism behind this album, and when accompanied that with a production that relates to many of the uh, upbringings of Southern African Americans. And this, uh, you have the recipe for an album that holds a very special place in the hearts of many, many college-age students around the 2000 era, and still relates to many students to this day, myself included. If I may switch gears for a moment, I'd like to make a point that will help us continue having this conversation. And that point is, for those of you listening right now, myself included, who are college students or currently attending a university or pursuing higher education, understand that your position right now is a privileged position and that is not putting you down. For many of you, that case may be that it's a position that you've earned through years of hard work. For some of you, that may mean from elementary school and beyond, you stayed in and studied and worked your ass off so you can end up in this position where you want at your favorite university. For others, that may mean working incredibly hard to earn a scholarship into the university that you want. For some, that may mean being the best athlete you can be in those sleepless nights um, or going to the gym early in the morning so you can be a student athlete and have your education funded. For others, that may mean working from the time you were first able to to fund your education to this point. And for some of you, you may be fortunate enough to have parents that have the resources to provide for your four-year college experience, regardless of what your story may be. Understand that where you are now is a situation that not many people can say that they, um, not many people can say that they have achieved. So give yourselves a round of applause for ending up where you are now, but also understand that where you are now is a badge of honor that not many people have the ability to attain. And there is a certain initiative that many of you may remember or um, have noticed or observed in your uh, pursuit of education that from elementary school and beyond, there's a certain push or initiative to make students believe that following high school, the only viable option for a successful future is pursuing a college degree, which I believe in giving it the benefit of the doubt is a very well-intentioned movement. Pursuing education is always a good thing. Uh, The world would be a much better place if people were smarter. I think many of us can come to that consensus that is a good thing. However, there are a lot of negative implications that come with this initiative, with this push. What we have observed now or what's continuing to grow is that we have entire generations of students being pushed into the university setting with no understanding of what degree they want to go and pursue, with no understanding of all the different elements or attachments that come with pursuing a college degree, no understanding of how expensive it is. And so you have the result is a ton of students enrolling in university, racking on thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars in debt and federal and student and private loans 
because they believe that it is better to graduate in debt with a college degree in something that they didn't necessarily want than it is to enter straight into the workforce or go into the military or pursue a trade or become an entrepreneur. All because they've been taught this uh, this push, this initiative, which is unfortunate because, again, believing that it's very well intentioned, the result is tragic. And you have thousands of people nationwide dealing with this looming cloud of student loan debt. According to the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, student loan debt currently lies between $902 billion to $1 trillion of the current debt system in America, following only very closely behind mortgage debt. And the fact that the student loan debt is on track to overcome that number one spot soon because this issue continues to grow. Uh, the cost of a four-year college degree is only increasing year by year. For many of you college students, you may know if you pay close attention to your student contracts or tuition prices that every few years or so tuition prices increase. Um, it's not that the number of students are necessarily decreasing. It's not that the institution is necessarily going broke, for lack of better words. But it's the fact that they know that they can squeeze more money out of students. And think of how many things you pay for on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, rewinding for a second, um, the estimated cost of a college degree for a standard four-year university can range anywhere between $10,000 to $40,000 a year, depending on a lot of different um, circumstances depending if you're going in-state, out-of-state, public or private university, paying for room and board, are you tr commuting, are you uh, renting, um, and that's not even touching the surface of food plans, that's not touching the surface of textbooks, and I can go on an entire rant about something like that. But when you start to add up all of these costs, and unless you're very financially savvy or you had parents to teach you this from a young age or a mentor or someone to help you better understand it, many people aren't factoring this cost in when they sign up to enroll in a university because they want to be a part of that greater movement, of that of that prideful statement to say that I am a, going to be a college student or I am a college student and I am happy, which you should be happy and proud about. What you're doing is not easy. The stresses and other things associated with pursuing a college degree are it's indescribable to a certain point. It's a great worthwhile experience that I would want everyone to have the ability to achieve, but it is not the case. And we have to be aware of that. But unless you're doing breaking down all this information in your head, you're not going to fully understand um, the situations that many people who want to also claim to that title have to go through to get there, especially when it comes to impoverished neighborhoods or minority groups or fringe groups that don't always have the resources or infrastructure to promote this pursuit of higher education. This brings us to one of the first songs I'd like to look at off the college dropout called We Don't Care. Sitting in the hood like community colleges This dope money here is little trace scholarship Cause ain't no tuition for having no ambition And ain't no loans for sitting your ass at home So we forced to sell rap and get a job You gotta do something man, your ass is grown Drug dealing just to get by Stack your money till it gets sky high We Don't Care is Kanye West's lackadaisical response to a request to make a song, quote, for the kids who just arrived to university, giving them something to look forward to in their arrival there. 
Kanye West takes a bit more of a cynical response or approach to this request by instead giving them a more real understanding uh, or description of what it takes to make it to and stay in college. The excerpt that I played for you um, comes from the end of the first verse and it reads as follows. Sitting in the hood like community colleges, this dope money here is a little tray scholarship. Cause ain't no tuition for having no ambition and ain't no loans for sitting your ass at home. So be forced to sell crack, rap, and get a job. You gotta do something, man, your ass is grown. This excerpt describes kind of the cyclical uh, nature of what it takes for many people coming from impoverished situations to make it to college. Ironically enough, uh, the line, this dope money here is a little trace scholarship, uh, hit a bit of a personal note for me. No, my education is not funded by dope money, but uh, <laughs> the the line um, relating to trace scholarship um, brings out a bit of a personal anecdote. So when applying for university, um, I traditionally was always a pretty uh, dedicated student. I didn't have much of a social life until the tail end of high school. Um, most of that time I spent studying or um, just prepping myself for class and just learning more information so I would be better set. My goal essentially was to have my parents pay as little as possible, if not anything, to fund my college education. That was my goal from when I was like seven years old because I knew I wanted to go to school and I knew that I didn't want my parents to have to struggle anymore to pay for my education since I don't come from a very well-off background. My parents um, are both work incredibly hard to maintain the, their standards of living now, but there were periods of time when um, finances were a bit more restricted, for lack of better words. So um, one of the things that I looked forward to most my senior year of high school is applying for different scholarship programs because I just knew in the back of my head that I was going, I, I did every I did every, every extracurricular activity you could think of. I had a 4.0 GPA. I knew I had what it took to be eligible for all these different scholarships, especially the need, like especially the need-based scholarships. Um, long story short, after applying for all of them and applying to all of my different schools, I discovered that I only received one scholarship, which I'm very thankful and fortunate to have, but the scholarship itself barely amounted to enough to pay for my books, let alone for my education. And the question of how the hell am I going to fund my my college degree became such a more pressing issue. This is something I never considered. I never considered the possibility of not being able to pay for college because I just knew that I had what it took. I, I worked my ass off and it would pay off. Well, life had a different expectation or story for myself. Um, and it was scary. It was a terrifying feeling. I'm incredibly thankful for that one scholarship. But uh, when I told my parents that I didn't get it, they didn't have a backup well, they tried. They set aside some funding for college, but it wasn't nearly enough to pay for everything that I needed to to get through school because they had that expectation of seeing how dedicated I was, um, that I would have my education funded for by a scholarship program. And before people start judging or saying, well, that's their fault for not having a plan. No, it's that was my that was my idea that was my plan that was my my childhood ambition my parents did everything they could to provide for me throughout they they worked their asses off and i i don't think it was an outlandish assumption for them to think that 
well, he can do it because we've seen what he's capable of and we've seen uh, all the different organizations that have taken interest in him. So why didn't this happen? And me and my parents have had long conversations about this very topic. But when dealing with the issue at hand of how am I going to pay for everything, um, I was fortunate enough to be able to, well, fortunate, it's, a, it's an interesting word to choose. Um, I was able to receive the majority of what I needed to fund my freshman year um, college tuition through federal student loans so i didn't have to take out many private loans and fortunately i was able to rack up the remaining like a uh, couple of thousand dollars from like extended family members who pulled together their resources to help me fund my education which i'm incredibly thankful for but at the same time had they not been there well first i felt terrible asking like my grandparents or like my aunts or uncles for any support through this because this was my education no one else should have to deal with paying for my education but it the fact that the barrier of entry was so high my expectations were were there i did everything i needed to do and there's still this huge wall that was obstructing my ability to enter into university that terrified me which is why this uh, this song has a lot of significance to a lot of people. Not only this song, but this album as a whole. Um, the build off of the line, because um, ain't no tuition for having no ambition and ain't no loans for seeing your ass at home. Kanye was right. There, There's nothing given to you when you're coming from that situation. I'm not saying that I necessarily fit that exact description that Kanye West is depicting there, but a lot of people do. And for those uh, individuals coming from those backgrounds who want to make something more of their lives and pursue a college education, they can't get it by hope alone. I learned that lesson firsthand. You can't just hope to make it in the school. You have to continue to work your ass off. You can't just sit and be sedentary. You have to pursue those opportunities. And in this case, they're pursuing the opportunities that surround them, which is uh, what Kanye West describes in the line. So we're forced to sell crack, rap, and get a job. Um, this tackles a bit of the stereotypical aspects of the urban black upbringing, stating that black people are only able to um, work with this, the situations that they're in, forcing them into situations where they must deal drugs, rap, or get a job. The most notable example of this is the billionaire rapper now, uh, Jay-Z, who famously <laughs> cites throughout most of his early music and uh, that he was a very prominent drug dealer um, as he was starting his rap career. Well, now he's also an entrepreneur, business owner, uh, label owner, all these other beautiful titles, but it took a lot of work to get to this point. And ironically, there's no uh, mistake that there's a lot of uh, allegory or reference to Jay-Z's career in this album because Jay-Z at this point was one of Kanye's biggest influences and role models and their relationship is really starting to bud and flourish throughout the uh, early college dropout late registration and graduation trilogy there so this was my interpretation on the we don't care uh, element and there's so much more to talk about so for example talking about the cost of education this semester alone so i attended my freshman year at a separate university i transferred um, to play out the rest of my university years um, at a different in-state university. The tuition costs between both universities that I attended are more or less uh, in the same ballpark. Um, differences of maybe like $1,500, something like that, which is not a little chunk of, like, that's not chump change. That's still a lot of money to consider. But um, regardless, 
I did a lot of information this time around. I did a lot of research into the cost of tuition and um, books and online access codes and everything else prior to arriving here. So I'd have a bit of an idea. And I also applied for a job before I transferred to the school. Hoping to offset some of the costs associated with uh, transferring in this new location, I, I basically didn't want my parents to have to pay any more than they already were to help me fund my education. And um, this semester alone, I paid $600 <laughs> for textbooks and online access codes, which some of you may be listening and be like, that's it. <laughs> and for some of you, that may be a surprising figure. I don't know what everyone's situation is, but I do know that that is kind of ridiculous um six hundred dollars on top of all the other associated costs of education um it's frankly ludicrous to me because why (laughs) there's no excuse especially i take issue when professors are the authors of their own textbooks and they charge ridiculous amounts of money like i understand get your get your payment for your research your work or whatever i have no issue with paying for the material but there seems to be a certain i I have a certain threshold that i can tolerate especially when it comes to like materials that i know i won't use often um for example the entire origin of online access codes as much as the companies will try to argue that well everything's switching to digital so we figured it would be better to offset the cost of writing the textbook itself and convert to a digital format and blah blah no the truth of the matter is college students are broke and they were tired of paying ridiculous amounts of money for new textbooks and trying to sell them and get little to nothing in return so they started selling textbooks to incoming students taking the same classes um, at a bit of a profit to themselves well at a bit of a loss to themselves but the benefit of the new wave of students coming in because they aren't college students trying to look after each other and then the textbook companies caught wind of this they found out this trend realized they could squeeze out more money by making text physical textbooks and online access codes separate um, so they came up with online quote like practice programs and softwares this is like your mcgraw hills this is your like ex- your e-learning books this is your vhl centrals this is all of those websites that your professors make you take in conjunction with your courses so that you can get the quote full experience uh, and the the full scope of education but i digress it's ridiculous to have to pay that much for materials that you are required to have i feel like for many the cost should just be built into tuition so you have you're not surprised coming into college when you're you're already exhausted you've exhausted your spending uh, budget and then you get hit immediately within the first week two weeks of class uh, before you can drop before you even had a chance to like review the full syllabus because some professors at least this semester none of my professors uploaded the, their syllabus information to blackboard until like after classes actually started so you're already in there you're in the situation and you're trying to graduate on time it's difficult it's very difficult and i don't want to sound whiny or uh i don't want to sound whiny nor tone deaf Uh, i am trying to take as middle of a road approach to this but obviously my bias is showing it's uh, i think many college students will agree that the amount of money that they spend on textbooks is um outrageous and the fact that they can't get around this um well there are some strategies to get around but uh, <laughs> um do it to your own uh, <laughs> your own ex- at your own expense um for example there's some free online directories for uh 
for textbooks there are you can photocopy if you have the patience for it but all that stuff is like kind of illegal so i'm not gonna openly endorse that on this platform but we'll get into that at a different time i see all this to say that um oh in addition to textbooks sorry i didn't mean to start to jump on a point and back out there um we didn't even talk about meal plans and that entire sham of a of a process um the meal plan at my first university was actually quite like it's kind of amazing um (laughs) i I like the system that they have way more than the one that i'm currently at Um, the idea of more or less a debit card even though you pay uh, way more than the food actually costs at least the first university could back it up by having one of the best food like meal plans in the nation like that's just a, a a fact but doing some research for this episode um at my current university for freshman students entering in freshmen are required to live on campus uh, that's that's a given uh, their first year must be on campus and in addition to that if you live in there's 12 on-campus residence halls um around half of those are upperclassmen the other half are freshmen and of the freshman dorms each of them is required to have a meal plan and the smallest required meal plan is for <clears throat> what they call 200 swipes and 300 dining dollars that's the smallest uh, required required um plan and that plan totals out to $2,032 pre-tax. And I, when I transferred, did get a, a dining plan because I lived on campus. And I can assure you that none of the shit that they were serving us comes anywhere close to being worth $2,000. Especially considering that a lot of freshmen in particular end up with a ton of sw- like swipes or dining dollars remaining. And that those funds expire at the end of the semester there's no rollover there's no refund it's just gone two thousand dollars down the drain if you didn't use it all and most people didn't want to use it all because the options are kind of awful (laughs) and that's not an understatement you'd be better off saving your money and buying groceries which i encourage anyone to do um yeah don't don't always invest your money in the meal plan it's kind of a sham (laughs) but yeah um you'd be much better off not having a plan and buying groceries but for many uh, freshmen they don't have this luxury because there are restrictions on what kind of appliances they can bring in such as mini fridges and microwaves and most of the freshman halls don't necessarily have um the best kitchen units or or communal style so it's very difficult to um, get access to those but regardless um the fact that they are required to have these plans, even if they don't want them, even if they know they can't consume that much food, um, it's um, it's very unfortunate. So in order to offset many of the costs associated with education, apart from just the tuition and board, many students, myself included, feel the need to get a job. Um, I work for the school. Um, I personally am not the biggest fan of my job but i do acknowledge that there are much worse jobs out there i get paid approximately 8.50 an hour and i work an average of 24 to 30 hours a week sometimes more sometimes less in addition to my school schedule as a full-time student which honestly but being completely honest isn't that bad it's very much location based but some days or some weeks it is an awful experience (laughs) Um, but I digress. I'm fortunate to have a job because I'm fortunate to have a a source of supplemental income to look forward to every two weeks or so because I have the opportunity to set aside money for saving so I can offset the cost of my student loan debt when I graduate. But 
Um, for many individuals, sometimes they aren't fortunate enough to be able to work for the school, so their employers aren't always understanding of their student schedule, and they're forced to stretch themselves out beyond their means um, and forced to prioritize sometimes work before education. Um, it's very difficult to balance all of that time together, and it, it, the cyclical nature of this system, um, it, it's very disturbing. It's, it's uh, a never-progressing system that accumulates pressure and stress over time to the point where students just feel um, they just feel broken and this cyclical nature of the never-ending work cycle is one that Kanye West taps into and describes perfectly on the track that I'd like to play for you next called Spaceship I've been working this great shift and I am yeah, yeah. I wish I me could too. buy me a spaceship and fly I swear I do Spaceship perfectly describes the never-ending cycle of working a job where you feel like you never truly progress. Um, the chorus reads as follows. I've been working this grave shift and I ain't make shit. I wish I could buy me a spaceship and fly past the sky. And uh, those lines repeat, but obviously when sung, carry a little bit more significance than when just read. Um, Kanye then goes on to describe his hypothetical thoughts of retaliating against an abusive manager um, and robbing the institution that he works at. I know not necessarily the uh, most, uh, <laughs> most friendly approach to dealing with these built-in intrusive thoughts, but that being said, these thoughts and ideolations are often those that run through the minds of student workers everywhere, or workers in retail situations, or jobs that people aren't happy at, essentially everyone's first job. It's uh, dealing with the abusive manager or working long hours to accumulate a penniless paycheck because it's stolen off from bills or anything like that, so you have this never-progressive cycle. Kanye then goes on to describe how his job uses him as the token black person whenever black individuals walk into the business to shop because they love Kanye then when he's able to serve them a purpose but as soon as they're gone then they're immediately back to abusing him um, the song itself carries a lot of significance due to it's not only feature from uh, uh, the frequent collaborators GLC and consequence but also because the song itself tackles uh, this mentality of the never-ending work cycle, one that we've become a little too familiar with here in the United States. Um, and this is not a testament to anyone's laziness or no one's, uh, no one's desire to progress or put in the effort that's required to succeed in life, but many of these conditions are those that students unfortunately have to face when they're trying to fund their education, and I don't personally believe it to be um, ideal. But again, this is just the nature of how things are. This is the beauty of the college dropout is how everything is told exactly how it is. There's no sugarcoating it. There's no uh, 
glossing it with rose color tints it's very straightforward so the thought process of i've continued the work and i will continue to work even though i'm not necessarily making anything but i will continue also to wish um, that eventually i can have a spaceship and fly past the sky the spaceship being a metaphor for um the manifestation of Kanye's dreams of becoming a successful artist, allowing his dreams and ambitions to carry him past where he is now, past his limits that he's already set for himself. And unfortunately, if for less motivated individuals or individuals who don't or lose that hope or that vision, the buildup of the cyclical nature between school and work tearing you down does take a very negative toll on the individual, particularly in the... Uh, particularly when referring to mental health, especially in black communities. Not to say that uh, black communities are more prone to mental health issues or that other communities don't deal with this. It just, as an African-American, I can attest to the fact that mental health issues are a taboo topic within the black community. It's now only recently being reevaluated, but for long periods of time, black individuals have not had the ability to show vulnerability to one another or to the outward facing world because there's a stereotype of having to be strong in the face of adversity and this uh, faux pas or this uh, facade takes a very very negative toll on one's mental health and this accumulation over time tears one down and prompts thoughts of suicide or aggressive behavior or depressive attitudes or lethargy, all these negative consequences that come with disregarding or the detriment of one's mental health. And for many African-Americans, um, their coping mechanism for dealing with these ideolations spirituality um, especially for southern african-americans as christianity is one of the largest religions affecting this or not not affecting i pardon me let me rephrase that one of the largest uh religious uh, philosophies that uh, southern african-americans in particular abide by um, i can personally relate that my grandmother is extremely um extremely vocal in her love and appreciation for her religion and many of those teachings and passings and upbringing through my family have in turn influenced me and my spirituality and how i deal with um, certain uh, examples of adversity as i continue through my college experience this brings us to kanye west's coping mechanism and the next song that i'd like to take a brief look at which is i'll fly away a rendition of a famous hymn um, and we will take a little bit of a look into that now
Don't Fly Away is Kanye West's rendition of the 1929 gospel hymn written by Albert E. Broomley. It's a bit of a standout track from the rest of the College Dropout album, as its vocal performance really carries it away and distinguishes it from the rest of the album. It's short, concise, and carries the same theme from Spaceship about flying away from the troubles that are afflicting you in the moment. Again, this, is, this track resembles something that you would find or listen to on a Sunday morning in an African American church. Um, it is a very popular hymn, and it's beautifully sung. It's very simple and straightforward to the point, describing what happens when one's life is over and the joy that they shall find when they fly on to heaven um, and the embrace of God. It is a perfect description of the allegory of flying away from the issues afflicting you in the moment. In the same way that Kanye West wants to fly away from his issues that he's experiencing at his uh, at his occupation where he's unable to escape the cyclical nature of it all and go on to pursue his ambitions. In the same way that many college students who are going through stressful patches in their life, especially when dealing with issues of, of um, deteriorating mental health, sometimes the elements of faith or having faith in a higher spirit than yourself not necessarily the christian idea of faith but whatever um whichever understanding of faith that any of you can relate to as long as you have a proper coping mechanism or something to help you through or the supportive base that you need um it is so much better than having to follow those emotions up internally for example, when I went through a particularly rough patch in my life prior to my transition from universities or my transfer from universities, um, I found that getting back in touch with my spirituality and understanding of the world and rekindling bonds with family and uh, maintaining friendships really helped me to metaphorically fly away from the issues that I was dealing with then. And it's very easy to be carried away into this cycle that is college. Um, it's very easy to get lost between your class schedule, work schedule, and the other stresses associated with it. But I implore you all who may be listening to this point, please maintain that strength that you have exhibited so far because it does get better and the horizon is on the way. This brings us into the next conversation I would like to have. Detaching a bit from the cost and the negative aspects of university, I'd like to take a bit of a different approach and describe the African-American experience in the college environment. Black American experience is one plagued by hardships, but characterized by endurance through discriminatory practices, with an added emphasis on community to power through these collective obstacles that we face. Generally speaking, whenever an issue arises, the Black community will try to unify in order to lift each other up and power through the issues that are blocking our way. For centuries, universities have existed and have barred entries to Black students or established discriminatory policies to prevent uh, admission of Black students, thus shaping the many instances of primarily white institutions or PWIs that we see today. So, in response to this, Black academics unified and helped to establish HBCUs or historically Black colleges and universities in order to admit African American students to pursue higher education. But discrimination did not stop there. Many social institutions, such as Greek fraternities and sororities, refused membership to African American students. So, once again, whenever an issue arises, they unified to establish their own fraternities and sororities, collectively referred to as the National Panhellenic Council, or commonly referred to as the Divine. Nine. Kanye West pays special homage to the members of the council on his song, School Spirit. Sc 
school spirit of the number Alpha step, omega step, kappa step, sigma step Gangsters walk, pimps gon' talk, ooh heck you know that boy is raw AKA step, delta step, SGO step, zeta step Gangsters walk, pimps gon' talk, ooh heck you know that boy is raw School Spirit is recorded on a sample from Aretha Franklin's A Spirit in the Dark. Aretha Franklin gave Kanye West permission to use the sample with the condition that he did not use profanity while recording, hence why you hear a bit of censorship in the sample that I provided for you. In the chorus of this song, Kanye West pays homage to the members of the National Panhellenic Council. The chorus reads as follows. Alpha, step. Omega, step. Kappa, step. Sigma, step. Gangsters, walk. Pimps go and talk. Ooh, hecky not, that boy is raw. AKA step, Delta step, Estuary step, Zeta step, Gangsters walk, Pimps gon' talk. Ooh, hecky not, that boy is raw. The members of the National Panhellenic Council reads as follows in no particular order. Its members are Kappa Alpha Psi, Alpha Phi Alpha, Omega Psi Phi, Alpha Kappa Alpha, Delta Sigma Theta, Zeta Phi Beta, Phi Beta Sigma, Sigma Gamma Rho, and Iota Phi Theta. And here, Kanye West references strolling or stepping and using the vocabulary that he used in the chorus, which are a series of line-based movements performed in unity, which act as a display of passion and respect. Whenever you may observe stepping or strolling on campus, whenever members of the National Panhellenic Council go out for their probates, um, you may observe... change in attitude in the room. Uh, for example, many people should, and I recommend that you do the same clear out of the way whenever members of the MPHC are present and stepping is about to occur. Um, it should be a very noticeable event uh, because <laughs> it's usually accompanied by music. I know a lot of you may recall or know or be familiar with some of the popular songs that are associated with stepping or strolling. For example, if you hear Blow the Whistle going down or Wipe Me Down, you generally know to move out of the way and let them perform as a show of respect. Um, the tradition of stepping or strolling has a lot of significance to these organizations and African Americans as a whole. Um, stepping is a reference or callback to the conditions of slavery and African traditions um, that have continued and endured to modern day and have evolved from that traditional point. Initially, stepping was used to communicate over long distances um, through African tribes um, whenever colonials were coming to enslave them. Um, the unified sound of stepping is easier to hear over long distances than it is for one person uh, just walking in place, similar to how armies march in unison. Um, it's the same kind of function but with a lot more sentimental value and obviously this is a very condensed uh, generalized description of it all but this is to provide more context for some of the viewers or listeners who may not be entirely familiar with these organizations Joining a historically black fraternity or sorority are just one of the many methods that black students utilize in order to retain a strong connection to their culture or heritage. 
This issue means a lot to me personally because it was one of the driving factors in why I decided to transfer universities. However, prior to doing so, um, I did attend a primarily white institution and there the pressure was definitely noticeable. At a campus of over 30,000 students where less than 6% of the student population was black and I'd go about my day-to-day -day life hardly seeing anyone that resembled me, the pressure definitely accumulates. In response, I unfortunately did not join a fraternity or soror well, fraternity, however, I did get heavily involved in on-campus affairs, um, particularly in cultural organizations, and I became an executive member of the Black Student Alliance on campus, which served to promote social events and uh, put on concerts and promote the culture and mutual understanding between student groups in order to have a more healthy academic environment prior to transferring. Despite the issue itself not being funny, I can't help but laugh in the revelation of some of the some of the experiences I went through in my first university. In a campus of over 30,000 students, it is, it's amazing to me because there was literally a group me of all the black students on campus. Um, like literally 30,000 plus students and only a couple hundred were constantly interacting in this group chat uh, of, of black uh, students on campus. And it's, it's funny to me in hindsight, but it's tragic that this is a continued issue, um, especially given that the environment that that first university in had a ton of racial incidents, especially following up the, uh, the 2016 presidential election cycle. There are a lot of uh, of uncomfortable situations that African-American students find themselves in, especially on that campus. And I feel guilty in a sense that I decided to transfer because I, I feel as though I did not personally do enough to change or impact that campus in my time there. And that is one of my personal biggest regrets in transferring. But um, in order to continue this conversation, I'd like to bring about another important point when it comes to the issues of black identity in the college setting. And that is that many African-American students feel not only prompted to, but encouraged to disassociate themselves with their black identity, especially from older generations of African-American academics. And this is very much observable on the track graduation day Yeah. Who told you to take I told you to do some uplifting. I'm trying to get you out here with these white people. That's how you gonna do me. You know what? Use the nigga. I don't mean that in no nice way. The track graduation day features vocals from Chicago-based comedian D. Ray Davis, who is present throughout the entirety of the college dropout, as well as only registration. In this track, D-Ray, who is taking the role of a dean of this institution, is scolding Kanye West in response for his lackadaisical and apathetic attitude on the track We Don't Care, when D-Ray requested him to make a song, quote, for the kids. On graduation day, D-Ray scolds Kanye for, quote, the fact that he's trying to get him out here with these white people and this is how you're gonna do me. That line right there really encompasses some of the attitudes of the older African-American generations in the college setting. The belief that you need to disband or uh, 
disassociate yourself with your own cultural identity in order to better assimilate or mesh into the working world of a primarily white institution such as universities or in the job market. It's an unfortunate reality that many older African Americans have cemented their themselves into thinking and in response they take out a lot of this anger or frustration on the younger generations when they believe that they're helping them better succeed when in reality they're only teaching them to hate their own identity or to abandon elements of their own identity, which to an extent can be argued um, in either way. On one hand, it can be argued that yes, there are things that you should leave behind. You shouldn't be apathetic towards opportunities presented to you. You shouldn't uh, not present yourself in the best way that you can. But when those attacks are no longer personal and are instead directed at your own, at things beyond your control, your ethnicity, your upbringing, your um, racial identity, this creates a self-defeating cycle where older generations are constantly berating younger generations. We see this trend continue, um, especially in the rap game. When uh, it was of recent years, it was a large controversies that quote-unquote old heads or uh, older rap figures or notable MCs um, take out a lot of frustration and anger on the younger new school of rappers. Um, namely, Lil Pump received a lot of negative attention, but he's just the, the scapegoat for a larger movement. But these attitudes, this generational divide and gap will continue to exist regardless of what genre of music you're looking at or what uh, setting you're looking at. It, it's always prevalent that there's going to be a disconnect between what is uh, acceptable for younger generations versus older ones. But this track really encompasses that added um, attack on racial identity. The track itself concludes with D-Ray Davis kicking Kanye West out of the school, making him the quote, college dropout. The song also features vocals from good music label signee and Kanye West protege John Legend, who sings the following lines. I'm no longer confused, but don't tell anybody. I'm about to break the rules, but don't tell anybody. I got something better than school, so don't tell anybody. My mama would kill me, so don't tell anybody. She wants me to get a good ass job, just like everybody. She ain't walking my shoes. I'm just not everybody. This attitude reflects the, the certainty behind Kanye West's intention to pursue a career in music. However, he's already anticipating the opposition he's gonna face from everyone, particularly his mother, when discovering that he's been kicked out of school. This anxiety definitely permeates and grows in the minds of those who do decide that school is ultimately not for them, who attend school only for the pleasure of their parents or for societal approval. But the mental clarity that he feels when he's pursuing that which what he loves causes him to no longer feel confused. But he can't tell everyone and it is yes because everyone will simply judge him until he's already achieved the level of success that he has so while he is the college dropout people are going to judge him until the college dropout goes on to graduate in his own endeavors in life this brings us to arguably one of kanye west's most poignantly written songs and a personal favorite of mine all falls down which tackles the feelings of self-consciousness and confusion of a young black woman pursuing a degree for the enjoyment of her parents. This coupled with a critical commentary on race and black obsession with materialisms as a sign of power. Oh man, I promise. 
She's so self-conscious She has no idea what she doing in college That major that she majored in don't make no money But she won't drop out her parents to look at her funny Now, tell me that ain't insecure The concept of school seems so secure Sophomore three years ain't picked a career She like, get I'll just stay down her and do it This first perfectly depicts the phenomenon that I was describing earlier, that there's an entire generation of students entering into college with no understanding of what they want to do in life simply because they are attracted to this idea and concept of security that comes with pursuing higher education. Kanye perfectly describes the anxiety and self-conscious feelings of this young black woman stemming from the disapproval of her parents should she drop out of college. Kanye goes on to describe the anxiety that races through this woman's mind as she begins to fall into the cycle of university that we've previously described. In the lines, quote, The concept of school seems so secure. Sophomore three years ain't picked a career. She like, fuck it, I'll just stay down her and do hair. Now, the er sound is clearly there to complement the rhyme scheme of this verse, but that doesn't take away from how relevant the subject matter is. Uh, especially when describing this topic. In the lines, the concept of school seems so secure. This is what incentivized this girl to go on to pursue higher education because it, it seemed to be the most secure path towards pursuing her future, despite the fact that she is a sophomore student, a second year, and already in her third year of university. Thus, it, it's heavily implied that she failed or circumstances forced her to have to take an additional year, which is a further accumulation of all the costs of tuition that we previously mapped and calculated in the earlier segment of the podcast. Additionally, she has yet to pick a career associated with her major that she has not declared uh, in the earlier verses. So the woman in question decides to just stay complacent in where she is in life and do hair to earn a form of living. And Kanye goes on to describe what she uses that money with um, in the following lines, quote, because that's enough money to buy her a few pairs of new airs because your baby daddy don't really care. So now he's tagging on all of these different extenuating life circumstances, which may sound far-fetched or ridiculous, but are oftentimes a reality for many young black women in particular trying to pursue education. Having a child at a young age, especially with a non-present father, creates an entirely new set of obstacles that one could hardly even imagine. Uh, so not only does she have to provide for herself and continue pursuing her education, uh, for the pleasure uh, and approval of her parents and society around her, but she has to succeed for her child. Additionally, while providing for her and her child simply by doing hair. It, it's a very self-defeating cycle, but it goes on to point out uh, arguably the second most important takeaway from this song in particular, and that is the black obsession with materialistic goods. No Kanye specifically points out uh, the line of buy her a few pairs of new airs, referencing Air Jordans, a very common sneaker, popular especially among African Americans, which are notable because they are so expensive, um, as usually shown as a sign of affluence or influence or power. And Kanye goes on to describe why African Americans so often seek out this power through materialistic goods in the following verse.
Here Kanye goes on to describe the fact that African Americans attempt to quote shine or display their statuses of influence or wealth in response to the hate that they receive, quote floss, because they degrade us. Um, they being a reference to the white majority in, in this case. And he goes on to say that we're trying to buy back our 40 acres. This in reference to a promise in the Emancipation Proclamation, following the which famously released all slaves in the United States, that every African-American slave should be entitled to 40 acres and a mule. Obviously, this was a famous uh, inaccuracy that history paints because not many, if any, African-Americans received any plot of land, uh, nor the mule, not that that matters. But Kanye is attempting to say that we seek out these opportunities and we seek these this opportunity to flaunt materialistic goods as our way of showing that despite our meager upbringings, that we have the capacity to shine and that you should not hate us because we simply want your approval. And that goes on to this follow up the next lineup and for that paper look how low we'll stoop even if you're in a benz you're still a nigga in a coupe so no matter how hard you try to present yourself or uh, stoop to a level where even though you're degrading yourself you're still flaunting all your materialistic goods um, you're still ultimately going to be viewed by the majority as just a nigga in a coupe and this brings us to the next verse Police, that's how I treat them. We buy our way out of jail, but we can't buy freedom. We buy a lot of clothes, but we don't really need them. Things we buy to cover up what's inside. Cause they made us hate ourselves and love their wealth. That's why Shorty Silent, where the ball is at? Drug dealer by Jordan, crack kid by crack. And a white man get paid off for all of that. Kanye goes on to voice his disappointment with the police, as well as comment on the disproportionate incarceration of African Americans, stating that despite the fact that African Americans such as Kanye himself have achieved certain levels of success, that they can physically buy their way out of jail, but they cannot buy freedom. Freedom ultimately being the goal for so many African Americans. The goal being to not only be viewed and treated as equals, but not also be subject to discriminatory practices that we often observe here in contemporary America. He goes on to supplement his argument on materialism by stating that African Americans buy a lot of clothes knowing that they don't really need them, and that this purchasing of, uh, of clothes or other materialistic goods are only to cover up the pain that African Americans feel inside due to the systemic teachings that black is something to be ashamed of, which feeds into the cycle that we previously described of African Americans disassociating themselves with their identity in order to be more, uh, more positively viewed by the white majority. Kanye goes on to describe the cycle of what attracts African Americans to materialism by saying, quote, that's why shorty's hollering where the baller's at. Drug dealer by Jordan's, crackhead by crack, and the white man get paid off of all of that. Seeing that the cycle of money ultimately, despite the fact of being handled by so many black hands, feeds into the overall cycle of the majority and not really supporting the communities uh, that could benefit most from the funding. It's a very powerful argument, even if it's not one that we are willing to talk about in this setting now. But I'd like to conclude with this last verse from the song. All horrific, like it's all terrific. I got a couple pass through bills, I won't get specific. I got a problem with spending before I get it. We all subconscious, I'm just the first to admit it. Yeah.
In an uncharacteristic yet truthful confession of self-consciousness, Kanye West opens up on the fact that he himself, as well as many other celebrities, go on to feel the same exact feelings of anxiousness and self-consciousness as anyone else. This realization is one that many college students can benefit from whenever going through periods of uh, extended difficulty or anxiety or stress. Understanding that their situation, though unique to them and painful for them, can also be reassured by the fact that almost everyone else shares similar feelings or have gone through those waves or feelings of emotions at certain points of their lives. This ultimately going on to say that you are not alone and nor should you feel isolated in your own experience. This perseverance through times of difficulty are ultimately what defines strength for many people, especially when making it through the higher education system. Perseverance is something that many of us hold near and dear to our hearts because it shows that not only do we have the capacity to overcome obstacles, but we can overcome them triumphantly and keep our heads raised high while going through this. And I figure that there's no more appropriate song to depict feelings of triumphantness in the face of adversity than through the wire. Yo, G, they can't stop me from rapping, can they? Can they hop? I spit it through the wire, man. There's too much stuff on my heart right now, man. I gladly risk it all right now. Through the Wire samples Shaka Khan's Through the Fire as its chorus. It is Kanye West's personal testimony on perseverance through physical adversity following his 2002 car accident in Southern California in which he fell asleep behind the wheel resulting in a head-on collision with another car. Kanye West walked away from the incident with a completely shattered jaw, thus prompting the title of this track, Through the Wire, as Kanye wrapped the entirety of this song with his jaw wired completely shut. And he explained the story about how blacks came from glory and what we need to do in a game. Good dude, bad night, right place, wrong time, in the blink of an eye, his whole life changed. One of the verses that Through the Wire, Kanye West describes the unpredictability of life and how being in the wrong place at the wrong time can drastically affect the direction of your life. But it is the strength of persevering through these obstacles that help you truly attain your goals and build the character that you need to go on to pursue your ambitions. And I still won't grow up, I'm a grown ass kid Swear I should be locked up for stupid sh that I did But I'm a champion, so I turn tragedy to triumph Make music that's fire, spit my soul through the wire You know what I'm saying? When the doctor told me I had a arm I was gonna have to have a plate in my chin I said, dog, did you realize I'll never make it on a plane now? It's bad enough I got all this jewelry on She can't be serious, man Closing lines of the song, Kanye West displays a certain sense of optimism and the fact that even though he's facing this current situation in his life, and the fact that he is still yet to grow up, stating that he's still a quote grown ass kid that should be locked up for stupid shit that he did, he's still a champion that triumphs through all these obstacles that he experiences in life. 
And this attitude is one that I encourage each and every one of you to try to attain in life. No matter what the obstacle is that you're facing in your pursuit of a college degree, don't let a single thing stop you or tear your head down. And there's going to be obstacles that knock you completely to the ground. It's inevitable. It's life. But it's how you look at and view and treat these obstacles that kind of define what direction your life will take from that point on. You can look at everything with a more pessimistic worldview, but that won't do anything to benefit yourself. If anything, you need to look at each challenge or each obstacle as a challenge to overcome, because I truly believe that all of us can benefit from maintaining that attitude. Instead of something being as something inhibiting your way, looking at it as an obstacle to overcome and stand even higher than where you once were. Kind of like how when you're climbing an elevated place if a wall is put up in your way or of a mountain or a hill or something like that i know this is a very bad analogy i'm sorry <laughs> but whatever pops up in your way the sooner that you ascend over this obstacle the higher you are the closer you are to your goal and i know it's very cliche to say but i celebrate this kind of uh, this kind of worldview or perspective or attitude because it is very healthy to overcoming all the tragedies that will come, inevitably will come when pursuing your college degree. In closing, I'd like to reiterate that for those of you currently listening, if you've even made it to this point, if you did, thank you so very much. I truly, truly appreciate it. I know this is way longer and denser than what we talked about last time, but just know that your presence is always appreciated. Your company is very much valued. Anyways, as previously mentioned, for those of you in college or university or in a higher education environment, understand that your position is a privileged one. Granted, one that you most definitely have probably earned the right to be at and be proud of yourself for making it this far. But also, understand that you're going to be subject to many, many different obstacles. Um, some may be based on basis of financial status, or race, or gender, or background, or uh, your own indecisiveness and not knowing what you want to do in life. Don't let them discourage you. Don't let anything shake you from your core. Your foundation is strong to have made it this far in life and you can't allow yourself to be shaken up by an institution or the people around you or whatever people may have to say around you, be it your parents, people you thought you were your friends, your peers, your professors, whatever the case may be. If you stand steadfast and headstrong in whatever it is you wanna do, then I guarantee you success will come. If not immediately, then soon. And it's patience and perseverance that help define who each and every one of us are. So, much like how Kanye spit that verse through the fire wire, regardless of how you may feel about him, I want you all to walk away with that same attitude. And the college dropout is a testimony to a standout piece in hip-hop history. The College Dropout is an album held near and dear to many people's hearts, myself included, and I hope through this musical analysis and accompanying our conversation on education, help to better place this album into perspective for how influential and important it is and relevant to so many different groups of people. And I'd like to just and while I'm ahead, because I, I don't want to ramble on for too long. Um, I'm sure you can hear a difference in how I'm speaking now versus how I'm speaking throughout the podcast. But once again, I'd like to just say 
thank you so so very much to anyone who's made it this far into the show i mean truly this was a lot of content i think we're looking at over an hour of me talking <laughs> um so for people who enjoy my voice that much well thank you i i appreciate it i'm flattered um let me stop i'm sorry that was that was that was stupid um <laughs> Thank you, truly, for rocking with me this entire time. I hope you walked away, if anything, with some more information or uh, some new song recommendations or a better appreciation for how influential this album in particular was. And if you would like for me to continue doing something like this or if you want for me to stray away from this sort of content, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. Um, some of my social media handles, I'll throw them out. at or For Instagram, my... Uh, instagram profiles at trajan s um same for twitter please uh, don't hesitate to reach out to me to talk about the episode i'm always looking for feedback or uh, co- uh, not compliments i don't i mean if you want to share some please but feedback is what i'm looking forward to most feedback and commentary just to get a better understanding of what it is the audience wants to hear and how i can better improve this platform i know this is only my second episode and i appreciate everyone's patience and whoever's been rocking with me thus far um so once again i'm gonna quit while i'm ahead but i'd like to say thank you so very much for making it this far into the podcast and i hope each of you have a fantastic day and i will see you again very soon brick boy out